Good morning. We've been studying the book of Ephesians, and we're in chapter 4. And uh, we might want to notice that the book of Ephesians is the New Testament theology of the church. Now, all of the Bible, of course, is part of the theology of the church. But if you want to know uh, what the Bible teaches specifically about the body of Christ, Ephesians is really just kind of serves that purpose in the New Testament. The whole book of Ephesians is about the us of being a Christian. In fact, as we've learned in the book of Ephesians, uh, there's really only one Christian. The book of Ephesians in chapter 2 says that by the work of his cross, God reconciled all of us individually with one another into one new man and reconciled us as one new man, the body of Christ, to God by the service of the cross, by the sacrifice of the cross. He redeems, doesn't just redeem each of us. He doesn't just move me from lost to saved, from dying to living, though that's obviously the case. He also brings us all together into one organism, the church, the body of Christ. It's very popular in the modern age to think that it's okay to be a Christian and not be a part of the church. And of course, you can be redeemed, saved, reconciled to God in Christ, and not be much of a part of the church. That's possible. But it's really not possible to be saved and not be a member of the church. Even if you never show up at one, you still are baptized into the body of Christ. So, of course, uh, you are God's gift to the church. Sometimes we think of the Christian life like this. The church exists to help me to be a good Christian. And what we learn in the book of Ephesians is each of us Christians exist to make the church a good Christian. And that's something that we do together. Now, last time we started thinking about uh, each of us having a part in the body of Christ and each part doing its part. And the goal of the church is to build up the body. We notice in Ephesians chapter 4, we, say, we see this. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, that's all of us, for the work of service, that's anything we do in the fellowship of the body, to the building up of the body of Christ. So what's the goal here? The building up of the body. The strengthening of the body and the expansion of the body, we could say. And last time we talked about various ways the body might grow. We could grow in number. We could grow in our individual spiritual fellowship with God, and we can grow in our fellowship with God 
in our fellowship with each other. So all of those things could be stronger or bigger. Grow. And so we concluded last time to ask this question, what is your place in the body? Every Christian has a place in the body. Part of the reason for Paul using this metaphor of the body is to notice that the different parts of the body have different functions, but they work together. And in fact, none of the parts of the body work if you disconnect them from the body. And every part of the body is essential to the functioning of the other parts so that the whole body is a whole body. And the purpose of a body is to represent a person in the material world. How is it that you're present here today? That I can see your face, hear your voice. Oh, you have a face and a voice. It's your body. The way a human being is present is in a body. The way Christ is present is in his body. Now, Jesus has a body like, like I do, a man, a material, physical body. But Christ also has the church, which is his presence in the world now. So we are his body. So we started last time to ask this question, what is your part? Because every part has its part, and the body grows when every part functions in its part in relation to the other bodies. The he, Ephesians uses the expression, what every joint supplies. So every connection, every relationship, every functioning part of the body, each one of us a member of the body, functioning all together in coordination by the head, who is Christ, we grow as a body, and we grow to more fully and more correctly represent him in this world, which I think is mostly a function of how well we love one another and how well we love everyone around us. Because the scripture here says, speaking the truth in love, we grow. Oh, so this isn't the sort of love that will lie to you for the sake of avoiding conflict, maybe. This is the sort of love that is brave. This is the sort of love that will make a sacrifice for the simple benefit of another person. But we're trying to get to this question, what's your place then? And last time I concluded with these three questions. Well, what do you think the church should be doing that you don't see us doing? That might be a clue as to your place in the church. Sometimes if I think the church ought to be doing this, I ought to look in a mirror and say, if the church ought to be doing this, 
maybe I ought to be doing this. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes I can notice something the church ought to be doing and I would not be the right person for it. But this might be a clue in figuring out your place. The second question I asked is, what do you like? Because here's something, what we expect to have in our place in the body of Christ is a place of joyful service. The Scripture says uh, His commandments are not burdensome. The Lord isn't giving you something to do that is uh, not a joy to you. It might involve suffering, like real probably will involve real suffering, but it will be suffering you enter into joyfully, like Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He was happy to endure the cross. So what, would, what do you like? Do you know that almost anything you do or could do or can do, almost anything you like to do could be done in the service of the building up of the body of Christ? Almost anything. Okay, so that was the second question. The third question was, what would you want to do if someone would only help you figure out how to do it? So it might be you'd like to do some service in the body. Maybe you'd like to teach. But you don't feel adequately prepared to teach. I sure would like to know if that's the case about you. Maybe you'd like to help with the tech team, but you think you need some kind of technical expertise to do it. Here's my suggestion, if that's really the case. Volunteer, and we will see to it that you get all the necessary technical expertise. Because some of us have been given in the body of Christ to equip the, the others. Even for stuff like that. Do you know that even in the service of the body of Christ, you can learn skills that don't seem particularly religious? Like if I were to help you learn how to study in order to study the Bible, in order to teach the Bible, or help you learn how to teach, do you know that that's a skill you could use in a lot of different settings? We often spiritualize this stuff and religious, religify this stuff. That's not really a word, religify, but okay. You know what I mean. So we think that whatever we do in the church has to be religious. I'm telling you, most of the stuff that is done in the service of the building up of the body of Christ is not particularly religious. Somebody cleans the place, sets up the chairs. So, today, I want to look at what are the biblical elements of a Christian's part in the body. The Bible has three of those. 
They're quite clear. Three biblical elements of every Christian's part in the body. And then we're going to look at two, two things you better not say regarding your part or someone's part in the body. And then we're going to look at one thing you really need to know. Do you know that there's only one thing you really need to know? One bit of information that you really need in order to serve in the body? Only one. So, you ready? Here we go. What are the three biblical elements of every Christian's part in the body of Christ? The first one is what God has made you to be. What God created when he brought you to the point you are today. That's the first element. The second element is what has God given for you to do? That's the second thing. So who you are and what God has in mind for you to do. Wow, this sounds overly simple now, doesn't it? Yeah. The third thing is, the third part, the third biblical element of your part in the body of Christ is what God makes out of you doing what he made you to do. What God makes out of you doing what he gave you to do. Those three things. Who you are, what he has in mind for you to do, and what he will do with that. Those three things. Now, how do I know that? Well, it's in the Bible. That's how I know. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, famous text about the body of Christ. So if you have a Bible, you should look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read the first seven verses where Paul says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, I need to stop right there and notice that the word gifts is not actually in the original text. It's a weird kind of thing. It just says concerning spirituals. And we know it's about gifts because he goes on to talk about gifts later on. But we might think about, we might think of it like this, concerning the spiritual things of the body. Because that's what it is. Well, anyway. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Various ways, I imagine. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can really say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. So, if you hear someone dissing Jesus... That's not the work of the Spirit of God. And the only way a person comes to really recognize Jesus properly, Lord, is through the ministry of the Spirit in that person. One thing we might learn here is the Spirit is Jesus-focused. The Spirit is about exalting the name of Christ. The Spirit is about the communication of the love of God in Christ by the work of the cross, the gospel. 
Now, he goes on, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. We could use the word there, results. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So here are the three elements, varieties of gifts, varieties of service. That's a place of doing. Varieties of results. That's what God does with what you do. Who God has made you to be is the first thing. Varieties of gifts, one spirit. The spirit we read in this chapter dispenses spiritual gifts according to his own will. <laughs> and they have the per they have a purpose which we'll come to. But I think you could expand this. This is who God made you to be when he made you his own in Christ. When this, when he baptized you into the body of Christ when you were born again. When you put your faith in Christ, you have received from God some gift. Now, I would think who you are in Christ also includes everything else God made when he made you. So when we talk about gifts, I think we might include both your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts. Now, some people, if you asked them what my spiritual gift is, they might say teaching. Okay, well, let's just assume for a second that I'm an okay teacher, that I'm good at teaching. Is that the consequence of a spiritual gift or a natural gift? You know, whatever spiritual gift I received, I received when I was born again. I was five years old. I don't know if anyone would have looked at me when I was five years old and said, you, you look like you have the gift of teaching. So also, because I was born again at such a young age, I don't know how we tell the difference between spirit, my spiritual gifts and my natural gifts, except in maybe how they get employed or where. But anyway, you have some set of gifts. That's who God has made you to be. Oh, and here's the thing about gifts. They're not much use unless they develop are developed and become skills. Now, some people here have gifts, have musical gifts. Now, I'm going to use Angelo as an example, and I didn't even ask his permission, but here we go. Angelo, I believe, has a musical gift. I think it shows when, like he did this morning, he plays the piano. He also plays other things. In fact, I think I saw this video of Angelo playing a trumpet this week. I think he was faked. But I think he wasn't actually playing the trumpet anyway. But... uh 
Angelo has a musical gift. Let's imagine for a second that Angelo never met a piano. And we came to Angelo this morning and said, hey, you have a musical gift. Would you play the piano for us? How would that work out? Gifts have to become skills. Gifts have to be trained. Gifts have to be practiced to be useful. I believe this is true also of most of the spiritual gifts. And we have various listings of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, but we don't know that we have the whole list. And we, all, we do know that the list in Romans is not the same as the list in Corinthians, and it's not the same as the list in Ephesians. And I think we might assume that the Spirit of God could be creative in the distribution of gifts. But gifts, to be useful, need to become skills. Skills come in a lot of categories. There are people skills. There are, some people are skilled with people. Some people, you want to keep them away from the other people. Some people are skilled with things. But there are people here I would not invite to fix my car. Some people are skilled with ideas. They're great at philosophy and logic, reasoning studying, that kind of stuff. Some people are good at the arts. You know, some people are, are like Angelo on the piano. There's a talent. And if you put him up against a piano, music is going to come out eventually. And it's going to come out sooner if you give him a little uh, instruction and a little bit of practice. But it's a gift, and it's a gift that becomes a skill. Some people are gifted in the visual arts, like, you know, painting or whatever. Some people, no matter how many years of classes you put them through, they would never be able to paint a picture. Some of us don't know what our gifts are because we've never bumped into the practice. But we have gifts that become skills. Another thing God has made in each of us is a certain type of character or personality. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts, for example. Some of us are funny. Some of us don't get it. That was a joke, and you should be laughing. <laughs> Another element of the thing of the way God has made us is our background and our and the culture or the language we grew up with or the church we grew up grew up in or didn't. All of those things come together in who God has made you to be, which is the first biblical element of your place in the body. These things are pretty permanent. 
They're about who you are. And who you are changes slowly if it changes. And some elements of who we are just don't change. I believe this is true of the spiritual gifts. Because the scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 indicates that we received our spiritual gifting when we were born again, and there isn't anyone born or baptized into the body made a Christian who doesn't have a spiritual gift. So I do believe that when I was five, if I have a gift of teaching now, that I had it then. And the only question was, how would it be developed into a skill? that would be used in the fellowship of the body. But these things don't shift around a lot. You kind of are who you are. Now, you can grow and you can change, so it's not totally inflexible, but it's pretty permanent. The second element is what God has given for you to do, and that's in that next expression. There are varieties of service, but one... Lord. Now, it's interesting because this little trio of things, gifts, one spirit, services, one Lord, results, one God and Father. Do you notice that the Trinity's here? The Trinity's here. And so one of the reasons I phrase it this way, what God has given you to do, is because here we are referencing a Lord. What do Lords do? They tell you what to do. They Lord. They tell you what to do. They, they're the ones who give you your task. If he's the Lord, we are the servants. And so there's a variety of things. This could be tasks Some tasks, like this morning, I printed the bulletin, and I stood there folding the bulletin for 10 minutes or something. It's a task. It lasted 10 minutes. Now it's over. That was a work of service that the Lord had in mind for me to do. Now, some some works of service are more like roles, like more permanent ministry in the church, like a pastor. That's a role. It's a work of service. It's something I do. It's not who I am, though I assume who I am can do what God's given me to do. Uh, Another thing might be a practice. A work of service might be a practice, just something you do as a habit. Maybe you read your Bible every day. Why? Why? Well, you might read your Bible every day in order to grow as a Christian. Here's a suggestion. You could read your Bible every day in order to help us grow as a Christian. Would that be different? I think so. You could read your Bible every day as a practice, as a work of service. Hmm. There are some role or some works of ministry, works of service that are positions. 
Pastor is another example of that. Elder is an example of that. Now these things, the first set of things, are kind of permanent. These things are not. These things are assigned responsibilities. And they last for some season or another. Pastor is not who I am, it's something I do. And I do it for a season, and then someone else will do it. Uh, we have a different set of musicians every Sunday. We have three or four different sets of musicians that might serve in that role on any given Sunday. It's not a permanent thing. Something do, someone does it because they can do it. Now, your work of service can be a, ta a, a responsibility that's assigned to you, or it can be one you just take up because you can and some things we don't, don't need to be assigned. Here's a work of service. Be friendly in the fellowship of the body of Christ. Be friendly. Well, I, nobody has to say, okay, you, you're the person who will be friendly around here. This is something we should all do. Be honest. Be truthful. Share life together. Give. A lot of this stuff, everyone does. You just take up the responsibility of it. But it is something God has given for you to do. Now, the third element is what God makes out of you doing what you do. A variety of results. One Father producing all the effects. Oh, so I don't produce the effects. God does. Oh. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Here's something I really believe. We barely see any of it. We can see a little of it. We can see it when it's good for us to see it or encouraging or whatever. But God is working, using you in ways you will never see. I think one of the activities of heaven will be exploring the fruit of things God did using us in this life, which will, be, which will blow our minds we won't we'll go, really? He did that? Here are some of the ways God uses our service. People come to Christ. Do you know that if you serve in the body of Christ and we grow into the body of Christ and we become the people who do truly represent the love of God in this world, that people will come to Christ that you never speak to? but someone else here does. Or someone will just show up here because they heard about the love. Wouldn't that be awesome if someone showed up here because they heard about the love? Uh, and so maybe someone just shows up here and they start to hear the gospel and they come to Christ. 
And we just assumed they were with Christ the whole time. We don't even see it. But he's working. People grow in fellowship with God in Christ by the Spirit. That's how you grow in fellowship with God. You grow in fellowship with God in Christ by the Spirit and by the ministry of the Word in the ministry of the Spirit. (laughs) And so we come here every day or every Sunday and we focus our attention on the glorious grace of God in Christ and we go, oh, right. Jesus, oh, that straightens everything out. And we grow in fellowship with God. We see the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, these, are, these are the fruit of the Spirit. This is not a list of commandments. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Spirit focusing my vision on the love of God in Christ. When I know how well loved I am, these things I exhibit. I might not even know it's happening. If the preaching of the gospel from me results in you experiencing peace, that's the fruit of the Spirit, and I might not even notice. You might not even notice. You might just experience the peace and never identify that as the work of the Spirit. Nevertheless, that's exactly what it is. God's at work even when you don't see it, and you don't see it most of the time. But we should be looking. Don't you think? I'd really like to see more than I see. Here's another work that God does when we do what God gives us to do because of who he's made us to be. We see people grow in fellowship, in the bond of peace, in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, in the fellowship of the body of Christ. We become important to each other. That is a work of God. Those are the three elements, what God has made you to be, what God has given you to do, and what God makes out of that. Those three things. And then the This scripture says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit, I believe, is all of those three things happening together. God has made you who you are. God gives you something to do. And God produces something from that. That is the manifestation of the Spirit. We experience the fruit. We see the fruitfulness, the activity, the love grow. We see the body growing. It shows. If you ask me, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? I would say this. Serve and watch. 
and it'll become obvious. But anyway, who God made you to be and what God gives you to do and the fruit God produces are all for what in this text? The common good, the benefit of all, another translation says, the benefit of the body. It is as we read in Ephesians, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the encouragement of the body of Christ, for the expansion of the body of Christ, for the strengthening of the body of Christ, all of that. That is why God has made you to be who you are, if that includes he has made you a believer in Jesus. And when who I am comes to do what he gives me to do, and he does something with that, then the body grows, the spirit is manifested for the benefit of all. It's for the benefit of all. God did not give you a spiritual gift for the purpose of you enjoying having a spiritual gift. In fact, that is the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When you get to the end, you got 12, 13, 14, it all sort of adds up to this. Would you, Corinthians, please settle down on your spiritual gift show-off competition? Because the reason you have a gift, whatever your gift is, and this certainly wouldn't go beyond your spiritual gifts, is not for you to think of yourself, but it is for you to serve the body, for the encouragement of the others, for the benefit of everyone. Each of us, why aren't we all identical? Why did God distribute things unevenly? Do you know that everything is distributed unevenly? Does God not believe in equality? Why? Why do some people have all the money? And some people have all the talent. You know, pick your talent. And some of us, we look at what everyone, ha- what someone else has, and we don't pay any attention to what we have. We get jealous. Or on the other hand, we get proud. <laughs> look at that loser. So there are two things you better not say. Which is another way of saying there are two things you better not believe. The first is, I'm not an important part of the body. That's in this text. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. You are not allowed to say, you have no place, because you don't have that place. 
you have a place. You are actually in the place that God has created for you. You are the person he gave to us for that place. If you say, because God didn't make me the pastor, I don't need to serve in the church, you're saying this. Now I'm going to... If you think the church is here to serve you, you're saying this. Well, if I'm not this, then I don't need to serve. Don't say that. Because God has placed each of us in the body according to his own sovereign will and for the building up of the body as a body. The second thing you better not say is you're not important. The first thing is I'm not important. The second thing is you're not important. If you say about anyone who is a believer in Jesus that they don't matter to the fellowship of the saints, to the body, to the community of God's people, you're just wrong. Because everyone is. That is really the point of this whole chapter. God has placed each of us in the body according to his own will. Has given you a place. And here in this text we read item number two here. The I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Like to see an eye pick something up without a hand. Now, I want to close this morning by the one thing you need to know. I pointed out there's three elements in each of, in each of our lives, three things that would sort of define our place, our part in the body, who we're, God made us to be, what God gives us to do, and what God does with that. Only one of those you need to know. Only one. And that is, what is God giving you to do? That one, if you don't know that one, well, you just can't do it. You got to know what he's giving you to do. What is your ministry? Your place of service. Now, your place of service will employ all your gifts one way or another. And God will work when you serve, one way or another, probably in a multitude of ways. I don't know how many people are here this morning listening to me preach, but I think God might be working that many different things all at the same time by my preaching, and who knows what else. Stuff I can't even see. I don't even need to know. Do I need to know what God's going to produce by my preaching to stand up and preach? No. Do I know do I need to know that I have some spiritual gift that enables me to preach in some sort of supernaturally powerful way? Do I need to know that? No. If God gives it great. 
If he doesn't and he says, stand up and preach anyway, guess what? I should stand up and preach. If I have a natural talent for teaching, and God says, why don't you teach? Do you know that God is sometimes creative in his deployment of his people? He doesn't always do it in a really obvious fashion. You remember Moses? Moses, who God sent to demand from the most powerful man in the world that he let all his millions of slaves go free. What did Moses say? It's not my gift. That's what he said. It's not my gift. And God says, I didn't ask you what your gift was. Go. If God calls upon you to share the gospel with someone and you say, it's not my gift, well, God will get someone else and you will lose out. God deploys us creatively. There are many skills that are kind of essential to being a good pastor that I don't possess. He put me here anyway. Because he made me and he knows who I am and what he's made me and how he's made me and what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at and what I might get better at and what I'm hopeless about. He knows all of that. So he deploys us. He doesn't chat. He, he knows. So there's one thing you need to know, and that is, what does he have in mind for you to do? That's all. You don't have to figure that out on the basis of some previous knowledge you have about what your gifts are. Now, it might be useful. I don't want to deny that. I kind of expect God to employ people according to their gifts, according to their skills, according to their character and personality and background and culture, all that. Sometimes we think, I need to serve in a way that fits my estimate of my gifts. And I'm telling you, maybe not. Maybe you just need to know what God has in mind for you to do. Well, this begs a question, doesn't it? How do you know what God has in mind for you to do? You see, our place of service is a place of service directed by a Lord. How does he direct it? How does he communicate to you what he has in mind for you to do? Well, you know, sometimes he just kind of shouts from heaven. Moses, you know, burning bush. Yikes. Anyone here seen a burning bush? That was a one-time deal. He doesn't do that all the time. It's not like his method. So what is his method in the church today? 
Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. How do you find out? It's the one thing you need to know. What does God have in mind as a place of service for you? Some of this, you know, you don't need anyone to tell you. Just, you know, you can see it. Just do it. You don't need anyone to tell you to smile and shake hands with people when you show up at church. You don't need anyone to tell you to share your own personal testimony in various fellowshipping opportunities. You don't need a lot of stuff. You don't need anyone to tell you. It's just there. Just go with it. Some stuff. How do you know? Next Sunday, that's what we're going to talk about. This morning, you have learned three biblical elements to everyone's place in the body. Who God's made you to be, what God's given you to do, and what God will do with that. You've learned two things you better not say. One is, I'm not important. The other is, you're not important. Everybody's important. So we shouldn't think that someone's importance to the body is measured by how well we can see their service or how important it seems to us. And we should never say, if I'm not the pastor, then I don't matter. Not the case. And we've learned there's one thing we really need to know and we've learned that next Sunday we're going to learn how to find out what is the one thing we really need to know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, help us grow together in the body. Help us to love one another as you've loved us. Lord, I pray that each of us would be a person of generosity, a person of joyful service, ready to step up, ready to do whatever. Lord, help us to pay attention to your direction in all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.